Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. My name is Chris, I am your host and I am happy to confirm we are the podcast that simply loves Jimmy Brion. More on him later. Uh, I have two of the famous three on the podcast this week. Uh, Welcome back Mr Jeremy Smith. Jess, how are you doing? I'm very well thanks, how are you? You're good. I'm not bad, mate. I'm not bad. Um, we'll we'll test that you're doing well to the very hilt at some point in this pod, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> at least it wasn't a defeat. Um, more on that in a minute. So good to have you back. Uh, and uh, Phil, fresh off of our uh, two-man efforts last week, you're joined with a partner this week. So how does it feel to be back in in the sandwich? That sounds oh, really dodgy, well, but you know. That, 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 that's not something I want to be thinking about. Frankly. It's a horrible image, isn't it? But uh, a nice, maybe a French baguette. Would that sound? Would that make, no, that doesn't make no, it sound that's any not going any better. Good evening. <laughs> how are you? That's better. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, you're keeping well, I presume? Everything all well in your household? Uh, just about, just about. The cat's still asleep, so if you hear any yowling in the background, that will be him demanding din number two. Excellent. Either that or it'll be mine, who just constantly does nothing but eat and poo. So there we go. Anyway, less about Le Chat and more about uh, the football. And uh, we will start, as we always do, by running down the weekend's results, uh, leaving out a couple of games that we're going to go into in a moment. So uh, PSG and Lille opened up the weekend. Uh, once again, PSG were extremely underwhelming. And once again, PSG won. You know the drill. Uh, Jonathan David puts Lille in front. A very good goal, it has to be said. Uh, Gigi Donnarumma making a couple of extremely important saves to keep the score at 1-0. And then, wouldn't you know it, Captain Fantastic himself, Marquinhos, steps up to equalise and uh, a delightful piece of skill from Neymar set Di Maria through to score the winner with, of course, two minutes to go. Uh, maybe some some uh, sizable cracks being papered over. Maybe not. Who knows? But we shall see. A win for PSG, nevertheless. Uh, on to Saturday's game, we're going to leave Metz and St Etienne aside because we're coming back to that shortly. But the evening game was a 2-1 win for Lyon, who kept up their um, sort of decentish form if we skip aside what happened uh, against uh, certain teams last week. And we will, we will move on from there. But a good win for them over fellow sort of uh, challengers, I guess you'd have to say, in Lons. Uh, they were 2-0 up inside the first half through Toko Kambe and Hussam Awa, who's decided to find a bit of form of late. Uh, Callum Wendo with a slightly fortuitously um, looped goal back for Lens, who, my goodness me, did they ever push for this equaliser and ultimately didn't get there. Um, but it was the Alamo and um, Leon very nearly did a Leon, as I think I tweeted at the time, but they hung on this time and managed to get over the line. On to the Sunday games, a couple that we're going to leave out, uh, which I'll come back to, but we will mention Angers against Nice. Uh, Andy Delore doing Andy Delore things. He's, oh, uh, that was such fun. Oh, it was, and I really felt for Angers because they went in front through Buffal's penalty and they were, I thought, really good value for that lead. And then Nice, I mean, they were poor first half. They couldn't have got any more poor. In the second half, they came out much better. And Delors sort of rather fortuitously looping in a uh, equaliser. And then in the, was it 90 no, second no, minute? No, that was, that was a, a lovely, a lovely lob. I'm not convinced. I think he um, mishits it. A great, great build-up with Fury. Uh, to get there. The yeah, two that's... of them up front I really look to be clicking and that's got to be uh, very reassuring for uh, Nice fans. Oh, absolutely. The, the build-up, I will give you, that was super build-up. I'm just, I'm not convinced that the finish was 100% meant. It was uh, <laughs> just just the way that uh, Benadonian goal sort of looked to the heavens as it flew over his head. Just sort well, of He was me. kind of stranded on his six-yard line looking upwards going, oh, fuck. Yeah. He's done me here. But there can be no denying the winning goal, which was the purest of volleys from the edge of the box as the ball came out of the sky in the 92nd minute. And uh, the celebrations duly followed and uh, a very good win for Gaultier, who's certainly enjoying his goals this year, I've noticed, on the touchline. He's uh, he's very much uh, an outward figure in that regard. Um, we're going to leave Bordeaux and Rams for a moment, uh, but we will also mention uh, Phil's Montpellier got a lovely 2-0 win over Nort. My notes read at last. Indeed. Uh, Florent Mollet, who else? And uh, Wahi with the second goal. Um, yeah, a home win, relatively straightforward, I think it would be fair to say, based on, upon what I saw. And uh, yeah, Montpellier just just levelling out a little bit in terms of form. So a decent home win for them. 
Um, Strasbourg, Lorient, I don't think that game actually happened. I think it got called off because of squirrels on the pitch. And um, yeah, nothing happened there. So we'll just move on from that one. Uh, no? Okay. All right. Strasbourg won 4-0. Let's move on. Um, they were quite impressive, to be fair to them. Two goals from Dial, one from Ajork and one for Thomason. And Lorient just had one of those days where it just didn't happen for them. But nevertheless, uh, Strasbourg coming away with the points. Uh, Trois and Ren also served up a bit of a decent game at themselves. A 2-2 draw. And Nathan Aguild with the opener for Ren, Rami and Dingome with the two for Trois to put them in front before Martin Terrier got the equaliser with roughly 10 minutes to go and a share of the spoils for Genesio's men. Brest Monaco will come back to shortly. And finally, the final game of the weekend. I mean, you know it's going to be Marseille because it's a Sunday evening game. Uh, they were away in Clermont. Uh, what a lovely stadium that is. I've seen it sort of, you know, casually here and there, but to watch a live game, the, the atmosphere was really good. Uh, but unfortunately for the home side, despite really giving Marseille a game and, and putting them under immense pressure at times, they just left the shooting boots at home and ultimately succumbed to a Cengizunda goal to nil and Marseille go away with the points. We should also mention Marseille and Nice drew 1-1 in midweek. So the honours even in that particular game. So let's have a look back at uh, our featured games then. Uh, Jez, I'm going to come to you, of course, first of all, because uh, your Met side got themselves a point at uh, home to St Etienne uh, for Belaya with the opener and then a, an extraordinary moment from Wabi Kazri scoring, was it 76 metres? I think they, they judged it out basically inside his own half. 68. 68, is it? Sorry, I've given him an extra 10 there. Well, that's <laughs> where the shot came from. He might have, he took it from inside his own area, so... Yeah, it, it was, I mean, outrageous piece of uh, individualist um, action from him. I mean, to, to spot it in itself, um, I don't know whether you would blame Akija or not. I think goalkeepers generally tend to stand there because nobody really ever shoots. But um, the odd occasion someone does, uh, they look rather silly. But what what did you make of it? And, you know, I know, I know we've been giving you some sort of you know, gentle stick in recent weeks, but... Do you, do you sort of feel like there was enough in this performance from from Mets to, to, for you to to think that they've got enough to to clamber out of this basement battle and maybe a word for Saint Etienne as well because okay it's a point but yet again it's it's dropped points when really they should be looking to try and get them on the board if you see what I mean where where did you sit on this game yeah well, for both teams I suppose it's one of those matches that you feel you have to win but I think both of them also took the view that the main thing was. It's a match that you can't afford to lose. So both goals came quite early and actually neither team particularly did that much afterwards to, to even come close to, to getting a win. Um, although Mess did hit the post later on with a after a complete mix-up and it was Kosha Jack whose, whose header came off the post and it was kind of... I mean, there's so much wrong with Mess and no, they didn't do enough they, to get the win they didn't do enough to look like they deserve to get the win they don't they don't look like they're doing anything near enough to survive everything is bad there but this match sort of summed up also just the horrific luck I think that they're having I mean even last week 4-1 defeat to Lens but at 2-1 they were outplaying last they hit the post then they had a goal ridiculously unfairly disallowed and then because of everything else, just they capitulated. This week, Belaya scores an absolutely stunning free kick, which yeah. most people would be raving about in any normal match. And then Kazvi does what he did, and he freely admits he tries it all the time, and it never works, and for once it worked. Um, you know, it's like classic Stephen Gerrard's 50 Hollywood passes per match, match of the day show, the one that pays off and everyone thinks he's some kind of god. Um, is a similar thing with with what Kazvi did there, and it's just typical that it's against mess that it comes off. And then, like I said, you know, big mix up between Green and Kolstra Jack. His header could have gone either side. It just hits the post and, and bounces out rather than in. And maybe that's that tiny bit of luck that Mess would have needed to to get the win and, and sort of build from there. But you know that they're. they're that's now a new club record of, of consecutive home matches without a win. There's only one mat, one win this season. Um, if you add that to the end of last season, I think it's maybe only two wins since March or something like that. Um, lots of injuries, lots of suspensions, lots of 
players nowhere near their best form. Um, Delaine a couple of weeks ago said that we're not really mates in the dressing room. We play together, we work together, but it's not like we're, we're that close outside, um, which I don't think, I mean, may well be true of a lot of places, but if you're coming out and saying that, particularly in a situation like this, I don't think that bodes well at all. Um, Antonetti's under pressure. He got a lot of stick the other day for um, taking De Preville off after an hour. You know, you're playing at home against the winless team at the bottom of the table. Why are you taking one of your strikers off and replacing him with the midfielder? But then again, he said it's because De Preville was, or a journalist on the touchline said it was because he'd spent all match screaming at De Preville to do his defensive shift and he wasn't, so he'd had enough of it, which kind of is fair enough, but also for the reasons I just said, maybe you shouldn't be expecting your striker in a match like that to, to be doing so much of a defensive shift. Maybe this is the kind of match where you take a punt and let him stay up front a little bit more. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just just so much wrong with everything all the way through the club at the moment, which which is not good. Um, lots of criticism that Messi's um, youth team captain... Um, still hasn't been given a go in the first team or been given a professional contract yet, which also doesn't look great in terms of sort of forward planning and investment in youth, which Mess always used to be good at, but a lot of people are criticising the fact that they're only focused on Generation Foot and not bringing through enough players at home. Um, no creativity. Bulaya only just getting back into the team. Bassi hasn't really done anything yet. It's, yeah, it's not good. No, no. Just, um, just before I get Phil's take on on the bottom two as well, that you mentioned that sort of dressing room thing. But how, how much, how much, or how quickly do you think a dressing room can turn? Because you know, I remember talking to you last year about just how good a season that's had, and and how it, it did seem like the squad was in high spirits, and it was it was very much that togetherness and the Antonetti sort of personality bringing that that team together and that squad together. What like what makes that? change do you think in your opinion is it purely because a happy office is when the business is succeeding kind of situation and when you're under pressure you all snipe at each other or is this something a bit deeper I mean and, and the same could be said for Sonati and with with Puel as well isn't there there's a bit of talk of a bit of a dissatisfaction in their dressing room as well is, is it just a results-based thing for you? For Mess I don't know I, no, I think there's a bit of a funk with certain players you know Belaya and Santos both thought they were going to leave in the summer and probably both, certainly in the case of Sontans, deserved a decent move. Um, so it's a real shame he didn't get it. Um, Braun, I'm not sure why his form has, has fallen off a cliff. Um, Ukija is just one of those sort of players who I think sort of divide opinion. Some thinks a very good keeper, some not so much, but he doesn't seem quite as decisive as he was last year. And I suppose when you're kind of worrying about your own form, then you start being about snip, snippy about other people as well, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, you know, Udol on the left, who people want to love because he's one of the players that sort of come through mess and has had horrific injury problems in the past. I think he's, he did his ligament three times in two years or something like that. Um, and did okay last year, but has really been awful this year, which is a shame. So just, yeah, like I said, mixture of form and fitness and a couple of people who, it's not that they don't want to be there, it's just that they didn't think they would still be there. Um, Nian also probably just, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just bloody bitter about the world at the moment. You know, the way he started last year, six goals in the first six matches, did his ligaments and hasn't come close to coming back to any kind of form since. And I know a lot of people say it takes a while to get back from such an injury, but unfortunately for Mess, they're still relying on him to come up with the goals. So, yeah, just as I said before, I think it's just so many factors. Yeah. You know, we'll talk about... Now, how many times over the years have we sort of talked about, you know, like, for example, the perfect storm of, of everything working out for Montpellier in terms of form, fitness, all that kind of thing in 2012. It feels like this is almost like the exact opposite, that mm -hmm. all the injuries, all the suspensions, all the maybe songs, I don't know, everything has happened at the same time. Mm. 
Yeah, that's uh, and that, that's where I want to sort of transition to yourself, Phil, and, and look at it from a St Etienne perspective. Because yeah, I mean, we, we've we said how big no a wins. Yeah, but the, the, what I don't get with St Etienne is you know, we've said for a while how big a club they are. I don't, I don't really see success for them as being survival. They they should be comfortably mid table and up, and and I still. I know that they haven't got a striker, and I know that's a massive problem. And you know, Wabi Kashri's doing his best, but it, it, just to me, that squad, I still look at it. I still, maybe I'm, maybe I am out of my tree, but I still think there's enough quality in that squad. So, how much longer do they persist with these really substandard performances and results? Yeah, I think they they weren't helped here either. I think uh, Nayu had to go off inside the first ten minutes. Yeah, um, who's the guy that kind of does the hard yards in in midfield so that led to a reorganization almost straight off the bat with players being moved around and and stuff so that probably didn't help but yes you say you you look at those names and they they should be better than this but then you look at these names and they were all playing um you know Bruce Kasri Color back in that 2012 season. They they are older now, and they seem to be struggling to find uh, to to find a way of fitting everything together. I mean, there's going to be a quite a few cracks papered over by Kasri's longest ever league on strike, um, but uh, which, as Jess says, does take away from Bulaya's uh, lovely opening goal, but. Um, the fact remains that they've just drawn with one of their rivals, and the keeps gone. It's a it's a, a draw that doesn't doesn't suit anybody. Um, it really does look like problematic. And at what point, if they can't win, I mean, how long could this go on? Um, we're how many games in now? Twelve games in. Yeah. And they got six points. Yeah. It's just not good enough, is it? Like, that's just not... I mean, that's... People are talking about, uh, you know, other clubs in other European leagues sacking managers for, for way, way better than that. Into I say way better, as in way better points tallies. I mean, it's just it's just not enough. And, you know, I'm not I'm not an advocate for sacking managers, you know, Claude Puel is... Well, the, uh, the ultras were. Yeah, true. Uh, they had that, that banner up saying you've got 24 hours to quit. Um, can't imagine they've got any happier after mm. after what's happened. I mean, they kind of wonder what's going on behind the scenes there. Yeah. Um, to, in a sense, to accept this, which yeah. seems to be uh, seems to be the case. I mean, you can't accept being rock bottom with no wins after twelve games in the season if you're Saint Etienne. You can't accept it if you're anybody. No. But no. That's... They, maybe we're thinking too much of the history and not enough of the present. And yeah. unfortunately, if the club management is doing that as well, I mean, the higher ups, then that's clearly going to be uh, a problem. I mean, who have they got at the weekend? Uh, Clermont. Yeah, next fixtures. Yeah. I mean, that, and that for me, straight away, as you look at... I mean, that look that at the... should be a winnable game. It should be one they are targeting. If you, if you look at if you look at the next three, I mean, yeah. Mets have got a tougher time because they're away at Marseille, and then they're home to Bordeaux, who we'll come on to in a minute. <clears throat> excuse me, and then they're away at Nice. I mean, that's three games you look at and you think, crikey, that's that's a tough run. Um, as you rightly say, Sinetti and meanwhile, their next three, as you say, Clermont at home, Troyes away. I mean, Troyes is no gimme. Don't get me wrong. And then they've got this small club from Paris called PSG. I've never heard of them, but that should be an easy three points. That's that's the thing with Mess as well. They've played, they've already played, I think, the six clubs closest to them. Yeah, that's the worry, isn't it? It's like, you know, that when you've got the big teams coming. I mean, I suppose in theory it can work the other way. They they raise the game. I mean, you know, would you put it past Messi and turning up at home to PSG? I mean, I probably would, to be honest, the way they are at the moment, but sometimes it does motivate them to to pull themselves out. But you, for me, Puel in particular, if he doesn't get two two wins from from the next three games, you you'd surely think that, that his time is going to be up. Because how long do you leave it? And I think well, we've got another international break in a couple of weeks' time, so you'd imagine at that point there may be decisions made. But um, we'll move on to another team that is also struggling. Um, 
Jez, I'll come to you first of all, because I, I think, I don't know whether you saw this game, but um, I'll fill you in if you didn't, but Brest uh, winning over Monaco by two goals to nil on Sunday. Can I just say one more thing about Kazri's goal? Yes, of course. The Kolozsiak, I still can't say his name. Bless you. Um, got an assist. He did, yeah. Officially got an assist. From what, a three-yard pass out of the out of the defence? Passed, yeah, passed it backwards mm. in his own area. <laughs> you got to love that, haven't you? you got to love that. It's basically an assist in the modern game is the last person who touched it before the person puts it in the net. That's kind of the assist these days, isn't it? It's bizarre, but... <laughs> Hey, he'll he'll cling on to that. <clears throat> um, but yeah, no no assists. <clears throat> excuse me, no assists for uh, for Monaco as they um, once again went from Mr Jekyll to uh, or Dr Jekyll to Mr Hyde once again and, and did not perform at the weekend. But putting Monaco's performance aside, I want to give some praise to Brest because they were really good in this game. I mean, they they really deserve this particular win. Uh, Steve Mounier's opener was. Was a cracker, oh, certainly good movement, and well, I thought it was pretty decent in terms of his movement. But um, he did miss a far easy chance later on in the game. It should be said, and uh, Honorat, who's one of the stand-up performers uh, consistently for, for Brest this season, got the second. Is this kind of the exactly the result that that Brest needed? I mean, Desikarian has has struggled. I think it's fair to say their their form has been patchy at best they do sit in the relegation or the, the playoff relegation spot but that win just brings them closer to Rouse to Bordeaux to Clermont to Troyes um, we might mention the team above Troyes but what did you sort of make of this performance because as, as patchy as Monaco are it's it's a big scalp for Brest to win this game isn't it uh, yeah well I mean this is to me this kind of is an extension of, of Mess's bad luck why don't Mess ever get a team like that playing well Genuinely, I thought Monaco's performance was absolutely horrific. They were They might have had a few players out, but I thought they were absolute rubbish. And I sent, I put a tweet out at one point. It's the worst set piece delivery I think I've ever seen in any match I've ever watched. It was hilariously bad. If it wasn't that it affected mess, <laughs> I'd have found it more hilarious then maybe. But... Yeah, I, I mean, Monaco absolutely didn't turn up. And it's not to take stuff away from Brest. You know, that it's their first win as well. They, they also came into this match winless. So, it's yeah, it's a massive result for them. And again, you look at their team. I don't think they should be struggling too much either. I think they've got um, some some really good players there. And arguably the problem, I, I have to admit, I haven't seen enough of them this year. But, you know, that is a team made for playing Dal, um, Dalolio football. And I don't know if it's a team made for the Zakarian style football. I don't know if there's been an adjustment issue there. But certainly the players like, um, you know, Fèvre, Nora, Le Doiron, who I think is a decent player. Um, you know, they're, they're really good footballers and, and they shouldn't be struggling down there. Um, Fèvre is another one who, you know, possibly is, is kind of a little bit suffering the after effects of... of being on the point of a really big move in the summer and it not happening. But I think he's, he's still show, showing flashes of, of the, the quality that he's got. And the second goal, although it was sort of on the break, um, you know, was was a really nice little move. And they even almost came close to scoring a third. I think they hit the bar off, off a direct corner at yeah. the end of the match as well. They've, so, they've hit the bar. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> definitely, definitely a well-deserved win. And... Definitely credit to Brest, but I thought Monaco were disgraceful. <clears throat> yeah, just looking looking at the stats, I think uh, Brest kind of maybe uh, spotted that Monaco weren't on the game and let them punch themselves repeatedly in the head because the possession was kind of one third <clears throat> to Brest, two thirds to Monaco. The past success, Monaco's was much better because they weren't doing anything with the ball. It was just going sideways and nowhere particularly useful. So I think, you know, going like into this... Jack Wilshers. Yeah. <laughs> going into this as the other winless team, I was quite surprised that this is the, the, the one in which they got their opening three points. But I agree. I mean... Mounier didn't do well uh, at Huddersfield, but he was great for Montpellier when he was there. He's a very um, smart player. Um, and with Honor and Fiv and Duan as the rest of the, the three supporting him, I think that's something that looks 
you know, looks really good. They they appear to have had some bad luck, sorry, Jez, um, because they have been playing nice football and just not not winning um, before now. But you know, they've I I see things in them that make me hopeful. Um, yeah, they, they've if, got goal scorers, they can, haven't they? Yes, if they can. Well, goals have been a bit of an issue. Um, yeah. But uh, if they can put together a, a bit of a run um, mm. in the run up to Christmas, you know, there's a lot of teams above them they could, you know, wander over maybe. So yeah. uh, we'll we'll have to see. But yeah, it was um, obviously a great result for them. But what Monaco were up to, I don't know. No, I don't think Kovac does. When when I say they've as, got goals, as for Buadu, the little I've seen of him, what <laughs> I don't. <laughs> You've lost for words. Well, he, no, I was going to just call him what a donkey, but I thought that was very mean. But he, he's, he's one of those awful. players that in in the, the era de Vizzi, was it Pierre van Hooydonk syndrome, or but you know you sometimes you can buy a van Nistelrooy and sometimes you can buy a. Um, who was the other Dutch forward who really flopped? Um, the guy, uh, Alfonso Alves at Middlesbrough. Some of those where sometimes they absolutely blitz the Dutch league and then it just doesn't work. Um, he's he, he's got that classic. Johan Bach, Lukaku, yeah. most I mean, Brighton signings. You, you could add them all up, yeah, couldn't you? From Holland. But um, yeah, he's uh, he, he has got talent, but the biggest problem I think he suffers with is he's one of those players that is he's very reliant on speed. Um, and, and if he's marked out the game, there is very little else to him. He's not that sort of guy who's going to perform a trick and get past somebody. He's just, you know, put the ball in behind and he'll get in behind. But his finishing has not been particularly great either. Um, so, yeah, I, I can see the the doubts. Um, and when I was mentioning about Brest, about them having goal scorers, OK, not a huge amount of output. But if you look at their attacking setup, uh, they're sharing the goals out. Honorat's got four, Munier now two, Lederan two. Uh, two for Cardona and three for Romain it, It's a lot compared when you look at like a St Etienne, for example, who struggled to score one a game, let alone that many over the course of a season. And if, you, if one of those can get on a run, you, you feel like Brest will have enough to um, to pull themselves clear. Um, and the next three fixtures, by the way, for Brest, uh, Lorient away, so no points there for them. And then home to Lens and away at Bordeaux, who uh, seamlessly I come on to next. Uh, Jez, I'll start with you on this one. Um, Jimmy Brion scored seven, 17 different league our seasons. First player to do this in as many um, many top-flight campaigns as Bernard Zenier in the uh, 1991 season, according to Octa Jean. That was a very interesting tweet I saw. Never realised it was 17 consecutive seasons. That is nuts. But um, he came up clutch, really, didn't he, it was, as far as Bordeaux goes. And I just think this is such a big result for Bordeaux season as a whole. They came from 2-0 down at, uh, at home to Rams. Uh, Ekitike with the open. Yeah, I said it. Woohoo! Uh, got the opener for Rams. Uh, Loco got the second and, and all was looking quite dreary and glum. Yassine Adley pulled one back and then it was the Brion show with a 78th minute goal and a 93rd minute penalty, I want to say. Um, I and he, I think he might be credited with an assist for Adley's as well. I think he might be right in terms of last touch, etc. Um, Rykovic's face after the penalties rolled in, by the way, was if you ever want to look at a goalkeeper conceding in the last minute to to lose a game, that was the face that you would you would immediately think of. But where where are you on Bordeaux? I mean, as I say, I want to give a little bit of love to to Jimmy Brion, but. It's very much, like I say, feels like a very important win for them. It's their first win in four, I want to say. They're up to 16th. Is Are you convinced that they can make a, a run up the table into comparative safety at least? Or do you think this, once again, papers over some cracks? I think it's a bit of both. I, still, I think they're no great shakes, but I don't really, I never really expected them to be in proper relegation trouble. But I think it's it's the same as as the breast result. It's sort of you need more than one off results, and it's it's how you, without wanting to go sort of all Rudyard Kipling, I guess it's kind of how you react to positive results and negative results. And and you know, a unexpected win against Monaco and a amazing comeback win. From two 0 down after seventy three minutes, it's how you you feed off that. If if they go on now, go on a run and lose their next four matches or whatever, then it was useless. But if they can channel all the sort of positive vibes from that, then 
then they should definitely be fine. And yeah, I, I certainly think they've got enough quality. Um, and frankly, enough quality, they shouldn't be relying on a veteran to bail them out like that. But obviously, it's it's nice to have someone like that who's, well, I think it was his 101st and 102nd goals for, for in Ligue 1. So, you know, clearly, the, as you said, longevity and quality there. Um, but they should be doing it without him, really, at home, especially at home to last. You shouldn't be going to nil down in the first place. No. Even Messi beats Messi. Even Messi says, and that um, that does give them the the, the leapfrog over over us in the table. Um, Phil, what what do you make of, of Bordeaux's sort of current squad setup? You know, obviously new manager, a lot of new players. It was always going to take time, but there's a there's a little spell there. You know, one defeat in mm. five. There's there's a little upturn, but for a club of that size. You know they need to be way way clear of those relegation spots, and facts are they're just not at the moment, right? Well, yes, but then there's teams within reach, aren't there? And like you say, they've got a, a good mix of kind of uh, you know old heads and and younger sparkier guys, um, and I think they're going to take. Obviously, the three points is great, but the the manner of it, just looking at the the who scored kind of um, barometer of who was on top and whatever, and uh, they had to soak up quite a lot of pressure in this one as well. And so to do that and to come from 2-0 down in the space of 15 minutes or something, that's a really good balanced performance that shows they can do both bits of the football uh, as it were, which obviously is going to be a massive help to them. And again, I think they're going to climb up. So I'm kind of running out of teams who could sit in the uh, relegation basket, but uh, <clears throat> um, they also look too good to be in the position they're in. And with what you mentioned about, you know, new coach, etc., they are pulling themselves together. I mean, remember how bad things were kind of last season, that this has got to be a significant step up. And I think that's not, that's in terms of the performances put in mm. as well. I mean, uh, Adley was, I think, the star of the show, this one. Um, but Ellis um, as well impressed. And when you've got Costiel in goal, that does tend to help. I think he had quite a lot to do. Um, so it's, again... I think I wouldn't see them down here when we when we get to, to Christmas. I think they'll have they'll have gone up the table significantly by then because they only they're only um, three points off, you know, twelve. So mm. that's you know potentially uh, very doable. Checks goes and uh, they're playing PSG next. Uh, I was going to say they we got PSG yeah. away. They then play Mets away, as we mentioned, and then they're at home to Brest. So again, there's okay, the PSG fixture aside, there's a couple that you'd probably think they would be focusing on getting points from um upcoming, which is is interesting. And as for Rams, because we have to sort of look at their situation, I mean they've got three tough looking games because they they play host to Monaco, who, as we've said already in this pod, you just never know what you're going to get. Um, they then go away to Strasbourg, who've suddenly decided they want to score some goals. Typical. And uh, then they play host to Clermont, who, you know, okay, fine, they're not a big name as such, but have proven that they can upset the apple cart for, for many clubs. So I do feel like it's a big week or three weeks ahead for those teams down there at the bottom. And um, as much as I want to sort of say that, that Lorient are safe at the moment on 15 points, just above that collection of teams, indeed 12 and 13 as well, they're not safe. And dare I even say, even Lille are starting to look mm. over their shoulder a bit with two defeats in their last three. And you do wonder how much longer the the, uh, the government experience will continue there, um, however unfortunate they were on Friday. So can I just I, say on, on Reims, it was... Um... It was Brest that Mess beat, not Haas. So I apologize to them. But also, just looking at, at their team and, and what Phil said about a nice mixture of sort of older heads and, and younger talents, you look at the, the front four that, that Haas started with Flips and Buku, Toure, and Ekitike. That's mm. pretty exciting. And, and um, yeah, obviously, not necessarily a Mess's extent, 
expense, but I really do wish Reims well because I, I just I think they've got a lovely team as well mm. as as always the best away kit in the division. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, as long as as Garcia is is giving those younger players um, a good chance, and I, I really hope they they sort of come out good. I mean, yeah. they they weren't bad. I think no, Loco's goal was a lovely goal as well. Shipping shipping three is not a good look, but they they played well. Um, so it's just one of those situations where if they can keep doing that and just be a bit more incisive, there don't seem to be any massive structural problems that need to be fixed. So, you know, that, that again, you know, wonder if... As Chris says, the next couple of couple of games are going to be very interesting. I'm slightly concerned about Montpellier as well before they uh, they took a bit of an upturn. So yeah, that win was quite important for them, especially yeah. to beat Nantes, who are who were just above them. Uh, I think yes. that's kind of kind of key. But it, re- realistically, if you look at the table, I mean, anyone from I would argue, I mean, you could even go as high as Strasbourg on 17 points. I mean, it only takes a team down there, maybe exclude the current bottom three, but any any of sort of Rams, Bordeaux, Clermontois, Lorient, Lille, Montpellier, Monaco, Nantes, Angers, Strasbourg, any of those get two wins in a row and they're quite high up the table. Yeah. Any of those lose two or three in the spit on the spin and they're suddenly plummeting down at, at alarming speed. So it is, <clears throat> excuse me, it's an interesting time. And um, I do think when we get to that next international break, and I think it's early December, it'll be very interesting to see how many other coaches might be... Um, if not under pressure, having look over their shoulders at their their chairman going into that time, because you do feel like it's a seems to be a time when people tend to change managers. Um, just one of the stories I just want to touch on before we have a look at the European preview. Um, sorry, Jess, I'm going to pick on you for this one. Did you see the the stories today that PSG are considering terminating their option on Sergio Ramos? I just wonder what your thoughts were on on that. We're not going to go into their performance in too much depth. I wanted to focus at the bottom today, but they were once again, I thought, really poor against Lille for long spells. And, you know, their big players dug them out of a hole despite Messi going off injured and Mbappe not playing. But how much longer can some of these signings that are not performing be looked at? Because I think I think Rich might have dared to suggest that a certain Lionel Messi wasn't quite up to his best yet. Wijnaldum is already making noises about not being happy. Donnarumma is sort of in and out with, with uh, Keylor Navas. And then there's this Ramos situation. What, what do you make of all that that's come out today? Um, I've been saying it since the summer, like all these people saying this is the greatest transfer window by any club ever. I think it's bullshit. I think that of all the players who came in, the only one that was arguably needed was Hakimi. And he started brilliantly. He's gone off the boil a little bit, but... Um, he did start well and I do think that if they go on to win the Champions League it may well be because they, they've got a bit of a tighter defence although clearly there's still issues there particularly at left back yeah um, I don't Donnarumma okay fine I mean free transfer and you're stopping any of your um, sort of big rivals getting him so that sort of makes sense for the future although for the present it's causing tension in the changing room mm-hmm. um, because you've got two top keepers who to be fair to them both have been playing well every time they've they've played um, so you can understand that whenever one of them's left out they'd be a bit pissed off um, Messi is Messi he's superb but for various reasons he hasn't hit the heights yet but also I don't think they needed him but also Pochettino isn't using him very well but also it of course ruins all the balance of the of the attack and therefore actually the rest of the team. Wijnaldum I know we've disagreed on this before but to me he's just yet another sort of little bit better than average workhorse midfielder and they didn't need another Paredes. They needed another Verratti. So I think that was a bad signing. And <clears throat> have I missed anyone out before Ramos? Um, I'm trying to think who else they signed. They, they were the, the big deals, weren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah but mean, the other thing about Wijnaldum, I mean, Lekip said the other day that um, his integration hasn't been helped or part of the reason that he's been in and out of form and in and out of the team is because... Um, 
a lot. The Latin American contingent in the changing room have done nothing to sort of welcome him because they want to look after Paredes, who's one of their own, and they're worried that his place is threatened when he's back from injury mm. um, by the fact that Wijnaldum is there, which probably says everything you need to know about the PSG changing room. Um, mm. Sort of going back to what we said about Mess earlier, but um, and and changing room tensions. And then you got Ramos, who is Ramos. You know, <laughs> I cannot bear him, but to give him credit, he's clearly been one of the best and most effective defenders in world football for the last however long, 10, 20 years. But that's the problem, isn't it? 10, 20 years. And arguably even the same with Messi, as brilliant as he is. And yes, PSG sort of had to sign him and he had to go there. But mid-30s, I'm not sure these are the moves that the forward-thinking club that wants to be the next great European superpower club should be making Ramos in particular everyone knew he had injuries maybe not this bad and maybe they were sold a bit of a dud but it's not surprising that um, you know proper rugged defender who's been getting stuck in for for that many years is not necessarily going to be at the top of his form anymore Um, so yeah, if, if the contract permits it, I think it makes a lot of sense to cancel the contract. But as as ever, there's only one person who's going to come out of this looking really stupid, or not person, mm. but one party, and that's PSG. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I agree with large chunks of that. The, the other thing that kind of hit me in the face is I was looking at their squad the other day, and it it's actually quite an old squad, isn't it? Like when you actually break it down, Navas is 34. Um, Ramos 35, Wambanat, and when I say old, I mean I'm talking like in terms of longevity. Wambanat 28, Kazawa, if you can, some 29, Marquinhos 27, maybe just on the edge of getting older. Verratti 28, Di Maria's 33, which I have no idea, no idea he was that old. Um, Guay and Herrera both 32, Juan Adam 30, uh, Danilo Pereira 30, and then the, the, the front line, barring Mbappe, who I think we've all accepted is going to move on. Icardi's 28, Messi 34, even Neymar's 29. Like they're not, they're not young upcoming players now. And yeah, if you look at some of the players that they have got the access to, like uh, Mbimbe and Xavi Simmons, we've not seen anything of yet. The future is there. Um, but you wonder if they're ever going to see the light of day whilst Paris sort of calls for superstar names. Um, it'd be uh, interesting. The, the conversation we've been having on a loop for many years now. Is- yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's going to, unless they can find a teenage superstar to buy next time, then Hmm. if if, if that's the market you're in, then they're not going to be youngsters who develop. They're going to be coming in as, inverted commas, fully formed. And that means that you don't have the same ability to mould them into your system. Everybody with Messi... For example, everybody was saying, oh, you know what you get with him. He's not going to go back and defend. You know what you get with Neymar. He's not going to go track back. And it's like, if you know what you're getting is what you say about pretty much every transfer they make, then that must make management even harder. Mm. They might be brilliant at what they do, but if that's the only thing they can do, it does mean you have to start trying to fit square pegs round holes and then the square peg gets pissed off and, and you know it's uh it's not an organic not team yeah no. we, we all know that but it it's just that is a uh, that does give you a structural on the pitch problem um yeah. that maybe isn't um talked about as much with all of the other structural issues there are with um with the team yeah, yeah. Go on, Jazz. You wanted to make a point on that as well. There was there was a great photo, a still from from Friday night's match that, that someone tweeted out, which basically highlighted PSG's four three three formation. <laughs> yeah, like basically, pretty much everyone was on this photo, um, and PSG's defensive line of four was decent, and their midfield line of three was decent, and their and Lille had the ball and 
PSG's front three weren't in the photo at all. Yeah. Um, and and Pochettino gave an interesting interview. And by the way, Leonardo came out with one of his sort of rare little comments to the media. And as usual, Lecky lapped it up and did, you know, articles saying how fantastic his communication skills are and all this bullshit. The reason he did it again was, was sort of in reaction to, to a Pochettino interview and criticism of performances, which are all completely reasonable. And again, let's be fair, so much of this comes down to Leonardo, who's bringing in no-brainers, but they turn out to be brain-deaders. And that he's still incapable of selling anyone of note, so they still got financial issues, actually. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously his communication is basically an exercise in, in um, throwing other people under the bus, usually the coach, and making sure he doesn't get any of the blame. But this all came from Pochettino giving a, an interview the other day in which he basically said that um, there were two really particularly interesting bits. One of the bits which, which um, Leonardo referred to and did, clearly didn't like was Pochettino said, when you're at a club like PSG, the only thing that matters is winning doesn't matter how you do it you've just got to win that's the only imperative which sort of goes back to what Phil said there's there's no chance for him to come up with any kind of system there's no chance for him to come up with to give chances to kids to come in and make a few mistakes and not necessarily be brilliant for their first sort of you know half dozen matches or whatever because they need to win week in week out Um, and Leonardo sort of criticized him for saying it but then also said well you're saying we're in trouble but look at our you know we've won uh, whatever it is won 10 drawn one lost one how can you say we're playing badly whatever Um, so there's that and then the other one which was really interesting was when he was when Pochettino was saying because of this imperative to win it's difficult to change systems the other thing he said which wasn't picked up on that much was that he said to be able to sort of put in place your system and your your ideas you need to have people who are receptive to them which Mm. I thought was a really sort of it's quite telling isn't it yeah marked kind of point about certain players which wasn't yeah no Mm. one really rang with that much actually yeah, I think yeah. Uh, just one other point. Um, Lakeep had a piece about looking at uh, Marco Verratti because, as one of you said, you know they need to buy a new Verratti. Um, he he's appeared in he's missed a third of games, I think. Yeah, what? certainly not not many, or not um, enough. Probably a better way of putting it. No, because I mean that it's that is problematic he does and when he's not there you you sure can see the difference so in a sense him being such a key member of that team but so frequently not being in the team is another systemic issue that um i mean something's got to be done about that at some point but that's the key for me excuse me it's just the fact that he's so important. I think PSG do defensively, offensively. Like he's, I just think he's so important, and he is such a pleasure to watch. And you can have all the stars you like, and don't get me wrong, I love watching Neymar in his top form. But Verratti is just streets above in terms of consistency. And every time he does play, I just always think he's brilliant. But just doesn't play enough. And how on earth they replace a player you know who's that important is is just one that I just can't. I can't imagine. Um, I can't imagine them without him. And that's that's quite a compliment, I guess, you'd put for him. And uh, the, the final thing I'm going to say on this is um, I, I'm still not convinced Pochettino is a good fit. I, I know there's the history of him as a player and everything, but I just, I don't know. I, I just, but I'm who just, is? I don't, I'm not, I don't yeah. disagree with you, but I just, I genuinely no, I don't think there exists someone who is a good fit. No, because you, you can't, it's a, it's a dichotomy, isn't it? You need someone who's going to do what the hell they're told and not piss mm. off the players and not piss off Leonardo, but you also need a top quality coach. And a top quality coach is not going to accept that kind of. No, no. Any any coach yeah. with any sort of stones oh, is going to say, know, well, no, what, is, what do you want? I, yeah. I don't think you can have both of those things at the exactly, same time. Yeah. You, look, you, look at, you look at the Conte situation, it looks like he's going to Spurs. He turned them down in the summer because he didn't get what he wanted. They've now obviously been you know, Spirit of Santa and, and now Conte's apparently keen to go back. You can't tell me that he hasn't laid down a series of demands to take that job. Mm. Um, you know, and, and it's the same with PSG. Any manager coming in, you would think they would have 
some serious demands that no, you will not interfere in, in the club or you know you're not interfering the way it's run that. And it's been very clear that Halifi and, and others, Leonardo included, have have not necessarily picked the team, but have made it very clear that certain players need to be starting certain games at certain times. And that, to me, is just, whether you love a, a city or a club or not, as Pochettino does, for me, it's just, you're not really the manager. You're just kind of the bloke who stands on the touchline and points a bit. I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. I just, I just don't know. Some, something doesn't fit. It's the same with Messi. It just doesn't feel like it. it's clicked yet. And maybe when it does, we'll all be sat here thinking, well, that was a, you know, we were all worried about nothing. And if they suddenly come into their own post-Christmas, we might be all sat here looking very silly. I guess time will uh, will tell on that one. Um, before we leave this week, we just want to have a quick look ahead to the European fixtures. Um, Lille are up first in terms of French representation as they play away at Sevilla. I think I'm right in saying they have to win that game. If not, it's pretty much curtains if it's not two, already. Two goalless draws. Yeah. They've scored one goal. It's not the best, is it? I think it's fair to say. Uh, Group G currently there. They're they're currently in third place, which I believe still still gives them a place into the Europa League. Um, but if they were to lose in Sevilla and results went against them, they they would be really up the creek. They've drawn two and and lost one. Like you said, Phil scored one goal in the process. It's not looking particularly good. The only thing that's saving them is the fact that Sevilla and Wolfsburg have been equally pretty dry in terms of three draws for Sevilla and. Uh, two draws and a loss for Wolfsburg. So yeah, they're they're kind of hobbling along without. You being... look at Lille and Marseille as examples in in Europe this year. I mean, it, in a sense, it's progress in that we yeah. used to French clubs losing all the time. At least, sort of, just consistent dour drawing is 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 better. They they do yeah. have form on that front. Though. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, it's 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 just so weird to think that you cannot win one of three games and still be in with a shot of essentially topping the group. It's bizarre, but I guess we'll see. I st- I think they need to take something from Sevilla to to uh, to progress. I personally think, but I guess we'll see. Um, no such troubles for PSG. They go away to Leipzig uh, at the um, on the I think it's a Wednesday game, isn't it? Yep. So they are basically all but through at this stage I, I think if they win in Leipzig that that guarantees it in group A uh, they have got seven points from their three games played so yeah winning that game would take them to ten points uh, and I believe unless Club Brew score an awful lot of goals and win their game I, I think that would guarantee one of the top two spots but you you pretty much think they're going to go through that group so don't see there being too much of an issue there um, so that is the two Champions League games, unless I'm forgetting anyone. No, I think that's the two in the Champions League. Um, so we move on to the right. We've got so the Europa League and Europa Conference. Let's see if I can get this worked out the right way. So the Europa League, uh, Lyon face Sparta Prague. This is a 5:45 UK kickoff on Thursday. Um, yes, I know 5:45. Although, is that with including daylight savings? Maybe that's 6:45 actually. Anyway, don't yeah, quote yeah, me on that. It's the early fixture. We'll, we'll say that much. Um, Leon in, in Europe are uh, not doing too bad, really. Played 3-1-3. They're all but through uh, in their group, uh, nine points. And they are, well, their closest challengers are Sparta Prague on four points. So a win for Leon in that game uh, cements their place through to the next stages. Monaco play host to PSV at the same time. They got the win in Holland last time out, or the Netherlands if you prefer. Um, and in Group B, that result for Monaco puts them in a good position because they're also top of their group on seven points. Uh, Sociedad breathing down their necks on five points. So again, a win for Monaco at home to PSV would uh, essentially all but guarantee them one of the top two spots uh, and qualifications. So good news for those two clubs. Um, you asked me earlier on uh, who Ren were playing, Phil. They are playing Mura. Um, oh, yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying Burnley. to find out when that fixture is. It's the fourth of the 11th which if i'm not mistaken that is the thursday, thursday. Isn't it? Yeah. it is the thursday it's just I, not listed on the keep yeah um, and for some reason it's not listed on my list which is really strange but yeah they are they are playing mura at home um and again from last time i checked they were doing all right let me just check that group again for you um yeah so it's an eight o'clock uk time kickoff and they are currently searches group g my apologies there we are we'll get there in the end they are currently top of the group seven points 
two wins and a draw from their three three games. Vitesse just behind them on one point. Um, some club called Tottenham never had of them got four points. So again, a win for uh, Ren against Pointless Mura would all but assure them of the place of uh, qualification. So good for them. To be fair, not that I would ever want to defend Spurs, but I'm guessing Ren are taking it more seriously than Spurs are. <laughs> yeah, although you, you do wonder if... Uh, yeah, I can't if see Conte, Conte shows up, that might change. I mean, Conte will take everything seriously, you'd imagine, but uh, I mean, they might be out by the time he gets his feet under the desk. We can, but hope. But uh, yeah, and their excuse will be they were never taking it seriously. Anyway, let's move on. Marseille Lazio, yes. So we, we did just mention the fact that they were doing all right um, in terms of not getting beaten in Europe, but they are kind of still struggling in the fact that they've drawn three out of three and are currently sitting third in that group. You'd kind of feel like they need to get, or I would say all three points really, against Lazio, um, who themselves have only got four points, Galatasaray out in front on seven. Um, it is, uh, I think it is a, I wouldn't say must win game, but at the Velodrome, they drew in Lazio previously. Galatasaray, you'd expect to beat Lokomotiv Moscow at home. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think some Paoli will probably put out a, another strong squad, and, and you would think that they need to win that particular game. If they don't, they are in a little bit of bother in that group. So, um, yeah, all eyes are, are on the Velodrome on, on Thursday, I would suggest. Um, just random question to ask you both as we sort of draw a close on, on this week's pod. Of all of the clubs that are not called PSG, because I have to say that for obvious reasons, who of the other clubs in either Europa Conference, Europa League, whatever Europa it is, which one do you think has got the most chance to progress the furthest? Um, Jez, have you got a thought on that one, first of all? Um, I mean, I suppose it depends a lot on how seriously they're taking it, but I think on their day, Lyon could be anyone. And they yeah. obviously they certainly started best. So, I mean, I think that could go the... F- I'm not counting the conference because not that I want to be Spursy about it, but <laughs> apart from Rich, who really cares? But um, <laughs> in terms of the main two competitions, you know, Lyon are clearly the best set to, to qualify. Yeah, in the next round anyway, but also when they play at their best, if they can tighten up their defence, I don't think they'll win it, but I think they could have another deep run. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm going to stand up for the Europa Conference thingy, um, because why not? You know, Ren are um, having uh, having good results, playing well. It's a new competition. That's kind of exciting. There's new teams that we've not heard of before. One question, because I'm still confused by the entire three-tier system. It's like a oh, wedding God. cake of football. Um, do the people who finish third in the Europa League drop down to the Europa Conference? What's it thingy? I or thought they didn't. I might be wrong on this, and I might have to look this up for the next podcast. Because I... obviously that might make a difference. But Yeah. If, uh, you know, we're hermetically sealed yeah I I might I I might be wrong but I I don't think they do I'm sure that the Europa Conference is supposed to be the idea of it's that option that if you don't get through the the main Europa League you know you can you can qualify for the Europa League basically via the Europa Conference I think um but but I but I don't quote me on that so I will look into it if you look at the way the groups are structured um, in terms of like the, the the sort of what I call the dotted line, um, it would suggest to me that there isn't two qualification spots because mm. as as they as they appear, you've got the the top place in green <clears throat> and the second place in blue, which usually means like two qualification spots, and then there's nothing for third and fourth. So in terms of the Europa Conference, that's how it works. In terms of the Europa League, um, I genuinely don't know. I'm going to have to check that. Because I'm questioning myself now, <clears throat> and if and if indeed the, the third place goes into the Europa Conference, I mean you could definitely see like a Marseille kind of backdooring their way through the Europa Conference and beating some I don't know team from Azerbaijan in the final, couldn't you? That'd be very, very apt. But um, I guess we'll see. But I, I will do some research and I'll find out ahead of the next pod, or at least I'll do my best. Um, so there you go. Right before we tie ourselves in any more, Yulmaz is out for the little <clears throat> game. Oh, okay. Well, that's probably another nil-nil coming up for Lille then, because, you know, no goals, etc. As we wrap up the pod then... David would be a bigger loss. 
Well, absolutely. He and he's he scored fifty three percent of Lille's league goals. Jesus, is that high? And he he's looked not like as high player. as Casri, which is fifty eight percent. He's the only one who scores. That's why. But uh, yeah, he's. I've been really impressed with with David this season. He's really really stepped on. So uh, good for him. And um, just before we leave, then ahead of those European games, full league out program next weekend. You've got Lens against Troyes on Friday. You got Lille, <clears throat> excuse me, against Angers on Saturday, four pm UK. Bordeaux PSG is the Saturday night game at eight pm. Uh, Marseille Mets uh, will be thinking of Jersey at the Velodrome on Sunday lunchtime. Uh, Lorient against Brest. Nantes against Strasbourg, Rams Monaco and St Etienne Clermont are the multiplex games 2pm on Sunday. Nice Montpellier, that looks a bit tasty at four o'clock on Sunday. And I'm for once, yeah, I'm not surprised. And for once, uh, not Marseille live on the telly on Sunday night. Uh, so you'll all be able to tune in and hear what club Clive Allen used to play for in France. Uh, those of you who haven't seen my last tweet, do check it out. Congratulations to Gwen. Uh, Rennes against Lyon is the uh, is the Sunday evening game, and we shall see if uh, BT Sport can get the badges right this week. Um, the sixth equal on points. Yeah, it's got it's got a decent look about it. That game. A good good fun game. Absolutely, Rennes versus Lana. Uh, pick the bones out on that one. Anyway, so uh, that is that for this week. Uh, Jess, thank you very much for coming back on. As always, no problem. Thank you. New problemo. And uh, Phil, Phil, thank you very much for your time as well. Thank you. Splendid. Right. So that is it. Uh, enjoy your midweek games, uh, whomever you may be following front of a French persuasion in Europe. And of course, next week, enjoy your French football and we'll speak to you very soon. <laughs>